Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this March the 1st in the year of our Lord 2021. And we're taking a look at readings for the third Sunday in Lent. There's three readings, Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments, 1 Corinthians 1, about the wisdom of God compared to the wisdom of man, and John 2, where Jesus goes into the temple and says, don't make my house a place of retail. So which one are we going to look at? Well, we're going to take a look at the Old Testament reading from Exodus 20. Oh, I know what you're saying. What more can you say about the commandments that we haven't heard? Well, when I do adult instruction, I always like to look at every item from a law and gospel point of view. What does that mean? That means that we are not saved by what we are doing. We're saved by what Jesus did. Now, how can you figure that out in the Ten Commandments? Well, there's a big distinction between Christianity and every other religion in the world. Every other religion that has a God, they believe that they want to be reconciled to God, but God is the problem. So they teach their members what to do in order that God will be pleased with them. When you take a look at Exodus 20, many people read that with that notion in mind. The Ten Commandments are the things that we are to do in order that God will be pleased with us and that he will become our God. Now, this is totally contrary to the Scripture because that would be salvation by works. But then why are the Ten Commandments there? To begin with, let's take a look at Exodus 20 to show that obeying the Ten Commandments does not make God your God. It's really in the first two verses. God is speaking to Israel, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. D did you hear that? God is already your God. And the proof he gives to Israel is that he took them out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, over 400 years, through the Red Sea, and taking them to the promised land. This is very, very important that God already is their God. So then we're going to ask the question, why does he give us the Ten Commandments. When I teach adult instruction on the Ten Commandments, I do go through every commandment. We don't have time to do that right now, but we can take a look at a broader picture of what the Ten Commandments are. And the analogy I'm going to use is a family. You have parents, you have children. 
And as the children grow up, they get to a point where they can listen to what the parents have to say. And the parents would say something like this. I am your father. I am your mother. I brought you into the life of the living, either by birth or by adoption. Then what follows? It's, you shall be at supper at five o'clock each day. You shall make your bed and clean your room when you get up in the morning. You shall go to school. You shall take out the garbage. You shall wash the dishes. Whoa, 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 whoa. These are commands. Does anyone think that a child becomes a child of the parents by doing these things? No, they already are a child of the parents because they were begotten or adopted. That was not something that they did. And therefore, the rules in the household are not made so that you can become the children of those parents, but they are instead what the parents want you to do. Now, why will parents make rules? Uh, let's take the first one I said. You shall be home from school. I always like to play baseball after school. So I was to be home by five o'clock in order to eat dinner. Now, if I wasn't home, what was I missing? I was missing supper. In other words, my parents had a gift for me, and the gift was a free meal. Now, if I disobeyed them and I stayed longer, then when I got home, I might not have as much to eat, or I tell you, sometimes supper was over and I'd have to wait till breakfast. The point of the, the rule therefore is to give you a gift. Every time parents make a rule, it's so that you may have a gift of being a proper child of the parents. Now, let's take a look at the 10 commandments and let's see whether or not they are what you are to do in order to please God so you can be saved, or whether or not these are the results of what you should be doing in order to receive a gift from God. I believe that every time you disobey a commandment, you are throwing away a gift. It's not just disobedience. It's throwing away a gift from God. So let's take a look at the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, what does that mean? Well, we should fear and love God, that we love God alone, the true God, and that we don't have any other idols. You see, if you have an idol, you are missing out on the blessings of having the Holy Trinity as your God, who gives you many 
many blessings. The promises of the Holy Trinity are for those who are believers in God. So today, when God says, I am the Lord your God, well, he didn't bring me out of the land of Egypt. I wasn't in there for 400 years. What did he do? I am the Lord your God who died on the cross for your sins and I was resurrected for your forgiveness and justification. You see, I didn't do anything to make God my God. The Holy Spirit gave me faith to believe the promises. And when I believe the promises, then God says, here are many gifts that I want to give you. That's really what the Ten Commandments are all about. And so when I disobey the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, then I am throwing away the gifts that God is giving me. And that is what really sin is. It's not just disobedience against commandments. It's throwing away the gift of God. And in verse 5, you shall not bow down to them or serve them, but show steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments, God says. Now, how do we bow down and serve other gods? What's the number one other god in our lives? Now, I know we're tempted by the devil, the world, and our flesh. But I believe that third item is the number one other God in our life, namely me. I've said this hundreds of times before. What is the center of sin? I. And therefore, when I do something out of self-interest and not out of the interest of Jesus Christ, then I am setting up another God before me and I'm losing the gift that God has given me. And what's a gift from the first commandment? The gift is God himself. I am the Lord your God. Second commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they lost gifts from God. Remember, they used to be able to walk with God in the garden, and they used to be able to talk to him. When they were thrown out of the garden, that experience was gone. So the second commandment does another gift that Adam and Eve lost, and that is the ability to talk to God. You see, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What does that mean? It means, I am your God, therefore do not use my name in a way that I do not intend. In other words, what are ways in which people use the name of God improperly? They curse, they swear, they use witchcraft, they lie, 
But instead, proper use of the name of God is to call upon him in the day of trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. In Luther's explanation of that commandment, I can't find any other way than those four ways of using the name of God properly. The name of God is therefore a gift that God gives us. So when we misuse his name, we're throwing away the gift. In other words, we're not talking to him. We're talking to our idol. You can hardly watch a television story today without the name of God being used in vain. And therefore, the gift of the second commandment is that we don't have to say, hey, you up there. Remember when Moses was on Mount Sinai at the burning bush, he was told, go and release my people from Egypt. What was his question? Well, what is your name? How are you to be called? And his name was Yahweh. I am who I am. I like kind of uh, retranslating that is, I fulfill what I promise. That's the name of God. Once he makes a promise, he fulfills it. And therefore, there are many names to God. Redeemer, Savior, Lord. In fact, we use it also in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven. That is a gift that no other religion has that does not worship the true God. So when you break the second commandment, you are throwing away a gift. Keeping the second commandment doesn't save you, but is a proper response to you knowing that you have been saved. Similarly, with the third commandment, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Luther's explanation is brilliant. We should fear and love God, does he say, so that we don't work on Saturday? No. That's part of the ceremonial laws. The moral law is we should fear and love God that we do not despise preaching and his word, but gladly hear and learn it. In other words, the seventh day, or whatever day you worship, is a Sabbath to the Lord. And therefore, it is a holy time. Now, some churches have worship services on Wednesday for Lent or Advent, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, sometimes an Easter Saturday service, of course, worship on Sundays. And a lot of churches also worship on Mondays. About the only day I haven't heard too many worship services going on is on Tuesday. So what is a gift that we lose when we break the Sabbath day? When we break the second commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, we lose the gift of being able to talk to God properly. When we break the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day, we lose the gift of hearing God talk to us.
every time I have a worship service and there's another pastor who's helping me, I always pray before the service that the congregation will realize that the service is being conducted by none other than Jesus Christ himself. The pastors are simply those who use his words. So, so far, we've seen that the main thing about breaking the commandments is we lose a gift that God has given us. Yes, it is a sin. It's disobedience because we put ourselves first. The first three commandments we often talk about as the commandments dealing with God himself. The next seven commandments deal with our relationship to our neighbor. Are there gifts there? Well, fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Can you guess what the gift is there that you have received? You've received a father and a mother, parents. Now, we know how difficult it is in a one-parent family where either the spouse died, left the family, or there was a divorce. It's very difficult for one parent to be both father and mother. And by the way, in a gay marriage, it's impossible that there is a father and a mother because both are of the same gender. In other words, when we disobey this commandment, we are throwing away the gift that God has given us of a father and a mother. And why is that a gift? Well, human beings, if we say, let's say they're animals, what other animal leaves its newborn child immediately? I, I think crocodiles do, and there may be others, but most animals are taken care of. Imagine a woman gives birth to a baby, puts the baby in a crib, and then goes take a holiday to Spain or something. Well, the baby will die. There's nobody to feed it, no one to clothe it, no one to make sure it's safe. And so father and mother are tremendous gifts. In fact, in the large catechism, Luther makes it clear that when we disobey our father and mother, we're actually disobeying God himself because they are put in place to keep us safe. The next commandment, thou shalt not kill. Now, the new translation is thou shalt not murder because it's not wrong to kill. For example, chickens or cows in order to eat or in war. But murder is killing someone for which you do not have permission from God to do so. So what is the gift of the fifth commandment? It is life. God gives life to others. And therefore, maybe we don't like them or they've done something wrong against us and we take the law into our own hands and murder them. We are therefore throwing away the gift of life and maybe your own life 
because you may be put in jail. Next commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery. What's the gift there? The gift is a person of the opposite sex that one can marry. Therefore, that is a gift from God. For the husband is to leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. You take a look at Ephesians, and the gift of a Christian marriage is not only the male and the female, but also Jesus himself. Jesus is at the center of every Christian marriage. Therefore, when a married person commits adultery, they are therefore sinning against Jesus himself and throwing away the gift of marriage. The next commandment, you shall not steal. Well, what is the gift there? We receive possessions. How many of us look forward, perhaps, to a gift received in the mail? Or a lot of us are buying things through Amazon or other places, and we can hardly wait till it gets there. Although I have to say, the last two items that came through the mail, one, the battery never charged up on an item, and the other item was broken. So there was a necessity of sending both of them back. But take a look around your house. Look at all the property you have. Let's say your neighbor has something that you wish you had, but you can't afford it. So at night you steal it from them. What is the gift you're throwing away is the gift of possessions that God wants you to take care of. The next commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. What is the gift there? The gift is a good reputation. It doesn't say that you can't tell things that your neighbor has done wrong. For example, if you see your neighbor's child break into a house and steal something, you phone the police and tell them who it is. That is not bearing false witness. That is bearing proper witness. But when people bear false witness against you, tell lies about you, they have one goal, and that goal is to ruin your reputation. This often happens among classmates in school where somebody likes someone else, but they're involved with another person, and so rumors are started about the other person, so they won't like them anymore, and maybe they'll like you. I mean, there are countless ways in which bearing false witness is throwing away the gift. The last two commandments are talking about coveting. What is coveting? Coveting means you are not pleased with what God has given you. And when you covet something, you will take it, and it may be from a legal point of view, you're not in trouble, but from a moral point of view, you are. For example, your neighbor has a nice car, and you would like to have it, but you can't afford it. 
So at night you put sugar in his gasoline and he can't start it. And you go out and say, hey, I hear about these cars. It's a real problem with the, the gas sometimes. But I'll be glad to take it off your hands. Uh, I'll be able to give you, let's say, $2,000 for it. It might be worth $8,000. And your neighbor is so sick of not being able to start his car, he gives you the car for 2000 Legally, you bought the car, but it is because you have coveted it. And coveting it deals also with other wives or husbands or whatever a person has. So what we do with the Ten Commandments, these are not commandments we are to follow in order to be saved. These are commandments we are to follow because we have been saved and thankfulness to God for what he has given us. Therefore, every commandment is not only when broken, disobedience and sin, it is also throwing the gift of God back into his face, saying, I don't like your gift. I'm going to use my own. It's quite a different understanding that you often hear, but it is the gifts of the Ten Commandments that we are to follow out of love for Jesus. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel with Mark Smith, we're going to take a look at the hymn, May God Bestow on Us His Grace, which fits in with what we've said today. I'm Tom Baker. Listen to us. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.